Press means supply force. When God said press, prayer reaches every single situation. He gave us permission to apply force to every situation that we will go through. And in this podcast, we are going to learn to apply force to what's applying pressure to us. Greetings, everybody. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of 2 Samuel where we will find our prayer in chapter 2, but we're going to have to look at chapter 1 first. I hope in doing these studies together that you know you have to study in between. There's a lot that happens in between as we're journeying through the Bible. And my prayer is that you're using these podcasts as a catalyst to study more. There is no way that I can do justice to these stories in 15 minutes or less, but treat them as an appetizer because there is more to each story that we've studied. With that said, we're now in 2 Samuel chapter 1. Saul is dead. David finds out from a young man who comes running to him. The young man comes and his clothes are torn and he has dirt on his head and he falls down and he's showing David the proper respect and he tells him Saul is dead. And David said to him, how went the matter? How did this happen? He said, I pray thee, tell me. And he answered that the people have fled from the battle, and many of the people are also fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man, How knowst thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Geboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee upon me, and slay me, for anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head, and the bracelet that was on his arm, and I brought them hither unto my Lord. So this man just admitted to murder. That's what he's saying. But he murdered him for a kind reason, is what he's telling David. He's saying, I saw Saul, and he was already dying. And so he asked me to kill him because he didn't want the armies to come get him. So I did him a favor, and I killed him like he asked me, and I brought you his bracelet and his crown. The first thing David does is that he mourns. He commands that they all fast until evening for Saul and Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. He always respected Israel, Saul, and his friend Jonathan. I like this about David because at one time, Saul and David were close, and David never forgot that. Even in Saul changing and switching up on him, David never forgot that. He had a way of honoring who. Saul was to him, while yet recognizing that's not who Saul is going to be to him. He did not define Saul solely by his lowest moments or by what he did wrong to David. And we see that in how he's remembering him throughout chapter one. David laments with the lamentation over Saul, and he says, The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, 
lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor field of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives and in their death. They were not divided. They were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? He says all of this of Saul. Saul, who tried to kill him multiple times. Saul, who tried to sabotage him. Saul, who killed people who were attached to him. He's still speaking well of Saul. He did this to show honor to Saul, but also you can tell here that he really believed it. Time is up. The gig is up. Saul is dead. You don't have to do this anymore. But it doesn't matter. It was in his heart to show honor not only to the office, but the man for what he was. Not his flaws, but for who he was in God and the good things he represented. We can't always just throw people out because we want to define them by their lowest moments or by their flaws. David teaches us that in his loyalty to Saul. David is so loyal and has such wisdom that in verse 13, David said to the young man, the Amalekite that came to him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger in Amalekite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. David killed the young man. And he said he did it in verse 16 because the young man had testified against himself, saying, I've slain the Lord's anointed. David does not believe in just killing kings or doing anything of the sort because Saul was no longer a good person. I like David's wisdom here, even though I do not promote murder. I do like his wisdom here because he understands something about this young man. If you can make a snap decision to kill a king and have the foresight to bring me his jewelry and crown and think that might get you somewhere with me, you will do this again. One thing I've learned about people, when I listen to people who like talk about other people or they say how bad they are or anything about somebody in authority, I know for a fact they will talk about me if I'm an authority figure to them or whomever is an authority figure to them. When they meet you and the first thing they do is have something to say about somebody above them or be negative in nature or sabotaging in nature to the leadership, they're going to do it to you and everybody else. They're telling you who they are and what they represent from the start. So I understand David's wisdom here in not letting this young man go because He's way too bold thinking he can kill somebody and the recompense for it be a reward. David shows us what it's like not to be power hungry. Sometimes there are those that are so eager for the next step in life, the next position, wanting to feel like somebody, wanting to feel like they've accomplished something, that 
they just run to the next. They run towards what looks like authority. David is not that kind of person. Even though he knows God has given him the kingdom and the Lord has prophesied to him since he was in the pastures, since the days of Samuel, the Lord has let him know you will be king over Israel one day. Even in that, he has not chased a position. He supported the person who was king wholly, completely. Even in Saul, the person who was king, turning on him, he still supports the office. And now that he's dead, David's not throwing a party or saying, oops, it's my hour now. He is still supporting the office and listening for the word of the Lord. He doesn't want a position God doesn't give him. Don't get hungry for place or position, even if the Lord has given it to you already. Don't get hungry for it. My family has a youth camp, TM Youth Camp, and my mother started it over 40 years ago. I have a children's camp, and I work alongside my mother heavily and try to support her in whatever way she needs for TM Youth Camp. And so sometimes people ask me, are you looking forward to taking over TM Youth Camp one day? I thought about that, and the whole idea made me sad, not because I wouldn't do it if it's necessary. But I knew and know in my heart that for it to be necessary, that would likely mean something has happened to my mom or she cannot physically do it anymore. And that thought makes me sad. Not for the ministry, not because I don't believe the Lord would anoint me to do it or help me to do it. I believe he would. It's just my mom. If she can't do something she's always done, Even if she retired healthy, a part of me would be sad because of the transition. I look at all of the kings and even positions now that people chase, and I think somebody else built that. Somebody else went first in many circumstances. Don't be so eager to take their spot that you can't wait on the Lord and support them while they're in that office. Don't be eager for any spot, because what I've learned of leadership, and God has blessed me to be a leader in a few capacities, it's not that easy. It's heavy. People are depending on you, and the decisions are not always as black and white as the naysayers and the crowd will try to make them out to be. There's always something you can't say to defend yourself. There's always something you can't publicly fight back. You have to be submitted to God to do it right. And David is like that. And that's where this prayer comes from in 2 Samuel. He knows that Saul is dead. He knows he is prophesied to be the next king of Israel. But he still goes to the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 1 and says, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said unto Hebron, which was the capital of Judah at the time. So David went up thither and his two wives also. And he took some of his men and each of the men took their household. And they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came and and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. He knew when he went to Hebron that it was symbolic. 
but he knew he didn't want to go to Hebron, even walk in the prophecy. He didn't want to walk in the prophecy of God without the timing of God. So the prayer is, God, is this the moment? Do I go up? And he said, yeah. He said, where do I go? It's time to go to the capital city. And it's not going to the capital city because you have to fight for it anymore. It's time to go to the capital city because you're walking into your next. And you did it without killing a king. You did it without slandering your king. You did it the right way. And because he had done it the right way all along, he wanted to take this next step of walking into the prophecy and purpose of God the right way as well. He wanted to ask God first, is it time for me to go? I encourage you today, keep reaching for more of God. Keep pursuing deeper depths in God. Keep looking and going after the things of God. But don't get so zealous that you chase anything God doesn't want for you. And make sure that it's in his timing and in his way. God bless you. And I hope in all things you remember that prayer reaches every single situation. Join the movement. Join the community. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Visit us at PressToPray.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Did you know that when you are quiet, your voice is missing to God's ears? I know some of us have prayed and we're wondering, how long should I pray about this? Why should I pray if God already knows? How will I know God is answering? And what do I do when I feel like God's not listening? But God is listening for your voice. It's too quiet in this world for the troubles we have. You have to raise your voice and God wants to hear from you. It's Too Quiet, a book about prayer, is designed to answer your prayer questions and build your faith. Visit PressToPray.com.